You're listening to the Soakin' Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Soakin' Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jace and Leo. That's Jace, Jason, and his trusty sidekick. Oh, how dare you. <laughs> you know he can't curse you out on this recording. He can't respond. Oh, no. Um, and, uh, uh Leo. Uh, but I'm Leo. You threw me off my game, dog. <laughs> 2020, much like Jace, is coming out the gate to an interesting start. So how's the first couple weeks been for you guys? It feels like a verse from a Billy Joel song, one you might be familiar with. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> what with war in Iran and planes coming down left and right. There's been missile bombings. Australia, I believe, is burning to the ground, and I just don't know how we're supposed to go on. The end of the world. We're on the darkest timeline. Well, didn't didn't we uh, didn't we enter an alternate timeline in 2016 with the election? I Maybe thought it was this is it. I literally thought it was 2012 though with that Mayan thing. I think that's when we initially started going off the rails. Ah, uh, many fracture points leading to the changes in the timeline that we've seen so far. But it is the Roaring Twenties, and there's some roaring going on. Not sure what it is yet, but. Today, we'll be roaring, or talking, about the Golden Globes, rumors of the upcoming High Republic Star Wars films, and recent as well as upcoming updates to Elder Scrolls Online. Last week, on January 5th, Ricky Gervais hosted the 77th Golden Globes Awards on NBC. For those not aware, the Golden Globes are a television and film award show where filmmakers and actors are honored annually for the best the film industry had to offer through the previous year. Gervais, as one of the world's most famous comedians, has hosted the Globes four times in the past and has been ranted about on Twitter pretty much every time afterwards. Do you guys think that his speeches and jokes are unprofessional, or is he in the right to make fun of some of these touchy subjects? Is it Gervais? It's Gervasier. Gervais. It's, it's Ricky Gervais. I thought of, it was of Ricky the Gervais. Office fame. He was yes, of Office, of the OG Office. Um, as far as like, is is what he said unprofessional? I mean, he's a comedian. Um, I guess at that point you have to decide: are there topics that things that we just absolutely should not make light of, and are things off limits? Personally, I think the Twitterverse needs an enema anyway. He made jokes. Someone call 911. And as we have already covered, we are in the darkest timeline. So if we can't face some of that darkness with a sense of humor, I mean, that's just survival, man. You have to laugh at that stuff. Yeah, I think when, when you start getting into the business of saying something is untouchable, <clears throat> who, who gets to decide that? And um, as you said, the, the Twitterverse is... Um, it's not a, it's not a place whose opinion I universally, uh, you know, lead, live my life by. Um, and Ricky Gervais is known as a kind of uh, no holds barred comedian, and I, yeah, I like him shtick. for that. That's what he does, and I think that they knew what he was going to do before they put him on that stage. It was expected, as you said, sure. T, that 
you know, every time he hosts, there's there's backlash. So when you put him in the slot, part of what you're signing up for is the backlash. And let's also be honest, his uh, rants and rails were almost more popular than the show itself. So there's something to be said for that that bit of marketing. If you can create controversy, then you become a little more relevant again. And I do think there was a little bit of that going on with the Golden Globe oh, organizers. With, with doubt. I know I've watched... I've watched more of the Golden Globes because of Ricky Gervais's, um, you know, no holds barred roasting of Hollywood, basically, than I would have otherwise. And I, I'm I'm not normally a person who would watch something like the Golden Globes, but I have now because of Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I do think Hollywood needs to get a little bit more of a sense of humor about themselves. It's funny that 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 sensitivity that they have is is often not allowed to be put forward you know a paid forward we get to laugh at you when you're famous and it doesn't matter which side of the political aisle you fall on famous people get to be satirized they get to be spoofed it's just part of the bag yeah i think he did take a couple of shots um that the folks who were involved might not have appreciated you know of course the the shots he was taking um he made reference to um, what's her name? Greta Thurn Thunberg, or however you pronounce it. The Thunberg, yeah. Thunberg, like the the seventeen year old like um, eco advocate. Um, I'm not sure that kids are are fair game. However, she has put herself in the the public light. So I don't know at what level is is she. Um, <laughs> man, it's a terrible phrase. But at what level is she asking for? <laughs> I don't know that she's asking for it, but I also think, you know, when you have a platform, when you're in the public eye, there is something, there is a, a, a social contract that you've signed that you're you're allowed to be in the, the collective consciousness of us. We get to make fun of you. We get to admire you. We get to watch what you do and think it's great or think it's horrific. And, you know, I think what Greta is doing is pretty cool, frankly, but I also think the joke was funny and <laughs> i think it's okay to think both yeah no i agree i'm also remarkably insensitive a lot of ricky's material both at the globes and at his own shows when he talks about the awards references it as a useless medium and that no one actually cares about the awards other than the people giving and receiving them do you think he's right i think he's, i think that's false <laughs> i think that i think there are if I if I read correctly, Nielsen had about 18.3 million people tuned in. That seems pretty relevant. Now, while that's lower than previous years, when almost 20 million people tune into something, you can't say no, no one cares. A lot more people care that, about that than most things. He's, he can have his opinion and he can make jokes about people, but that doesn't make him right. People watched that show and and it had relatively good ratings in terms of live television. I'm not so sure that, it, well, uh, I, I don't actually remember the words he used. The sentiment that I got is that nobody cares as much about them as the people giving and receiving them. And his larger point was just accept your award and, and get the F off the stage. Like that was, I think, his larger point. That people don't want to hear, you know, you going on and on about whatever it is that you think is important in the world. Um, nobody cares uh, about this stuff more than you. I don't know that that's true either. I do think that I think people care what 
celebrities have to say. Um, it's a little political to say this, but America elected a celebrity to lead the country. Clearly, they're listening to what these people are saying. Um, wh whatever side of the aisle you're on, that the, the uh, celebrity is worshipped in America, and the fact that people have celebrity automatically gives weight to what they have to say. Maybe not in reality, maybe not in terms of what actually matters, and maybe that's what he was saying, but to the public, people listen, people watch, and people base some of their beliefs on what these high-profile people and personalities say. So, again, I still think that he was dead wrong about it. People care. On that same topic with the acceptance speeches and their tendency to turn political or regarding different things, uh, that was one of his main contention this year, and do you think that celebrities then say they're entitled to express political opinions? Or do you think that he was right to poke fun at them, saying that they had a lack of education or experience in the real world? I think I think just as I would be an advocate for Ricky Gervais making fun of them, I would also be an advocate for them expressing their opinions. Do I agree with Ricky Gervais that I think a lot of them are out of touch? Yes, 100%. That's not all of them. Um, some of them, I think... Um, came from, I don't know, reality, normal people, and they haven't been detached from that for too long, or some of them have intentionally kept ties with real humans. Um, and so it, it's not a blanket statement, but I do, I do think a lot of them are out of touch. I agree with Ricky, but I don't think they shouldn't be allowed to express what I consider inane opinions. I, I think the fact that they're celebrity has nothing to do with their opinions. People have inane opinions, whether they're uh, queens and kings and presidents and movie stars, and people have inane opinions who are living on the street and don't have employment and no food. There are just people that have stupid beliefs. Um, are, mm. But are they a citizen of the United States? Are they human beings who have a stake in policy that is being made? Sure, absolutely. And I honestly kind of believe that they have a responsibility to use their platform. And when people get on a stage and a lot of people are listening, that's a great opportunity to say, this is something I care about. This is something that I think we should change. And that's actually a positive thing for society. I think I think the idea of that, I agree with. I think, unfortunately, what seen in practice doesn't necessarily equate to that. I think where a lot of people think they're doing good and where they're expressing opinions because they have such a large audience and they know that they're influencers, and I agree with that bit, but I think a lot of times they've come in and they've actually caused harm where they've intended to do good by, um, I don't know, overcorrecting a wrong that they felt or seeing something go in, in, in a direction that actually causes unintentional harm. So I do think, I do think there is a responsibility to temper an opinion like that or like those. I don't know. We're, we're not talking about anything in specifics, but um, the, there needs to be care given because there are ripple effects that are unintended and some of them can can be really unfortunate i mean depending on the topic the unfortunate thing may have already happened i mean when you're talking about i don't know the, the most recent thing i saw i happened to be browsing twitter earlier today and the australian fires are you know just horrific and there are was it one of those actors, it might have been Wolverine, like donated a million bucks. And it's I like, I don't think his name is Wolverine. <laughs> you know, Hugh Jack donated like a mil. It may have been him. I think it was him. And he's like using his fame to bring attention to that particular issue. Obviously, he cares about it. That's his home, etc. But 
I, I do feel that there are things or issues that these celebrities have stakes in. And I don't know that one, I, I get, I tire of the joke that just because they're a celebrity, we, we shouldn't listen to them. We, they're, you know, they're, they have a, no reason to have an opinion on this. Of course they do. They have just as much reason as I do. And, but they happen to have an audience that will listen to them. And I, I do think that with great power comes great responsibility. My second Marvel reference in this paragraph. But I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Not at all. I want them to actually. I don't know. It not only informs folks uh, about p potential subjects they might not even be aware are issues, like the Australian fires. I mean, a surprising number of people are completely unaware that something like that is even going on because it's on the other side of the planet and there's nothing outside the U.S. for we Americans. Um, so that kind of, um, I don't know, that kind of highlighting is a big deal. It's, it's I think, um, a good thing. But I've seen, I don't know, like... Um, very, very passionate political um, diatribes going on that um, really aren't effective at um, anything more than um, getting people more entrenched in whatever their ideologies were beforehand because they're, they're inherently insulting to people who disagree with them or they are um, downright calling for violence um, for people who disagree with you. And those are the statements that I think are more damaging than they are helpful. And I wish those who had those platforms would be a little bit more responsible with those kinds of messages. Well, I ain't heard nobody calling for no violence outside Madonna of the White was going to blow up the White House. Yeah. Well, like... so what? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Maybe we should move on. <laughs> well, wait, I do have to ask. Did you guys actually watch the show? Or... I watched a thousand clips yeah. after the show. I watched no, a I bunch of parts of it. Yeah, same. Like, mostly the most fun I had was watching reaction shots from Ricky's, Ricky's, uh, like, little 10-second snippets in between presenting awards and stuff. Yeah, and they tickled me. <laughs> I, I like that kind of stuff, too. I love to see a jaw drop. <laughs> oh, giggity. This is not the first time Ricky Gervais has caught flack for being direct and blunt, and it absolutely won't be the last. If you found this material funny, you can find more of his comedy specials on Netflix and on YouTube. If not, well, he said it himself that this is probably the last time they're going to invite him back to host. Alright guys, it's time to fill our quota. We gotta talk about Star Wars at least once every episode. <laughs> yes, Evidently. we do. Over the last couple of weeks, so many media and news sources have been talking about the rumors of the next Star Wars saga taking place in the High Republic era, it, that it's kind of difficult to pinpoint the source of the rumors. But according to the information being spread, the films will likely feature either Darth Bane or a younger Yoda, and some are saying they will possibly be produced by Kevin Feige? So the High Republic is specifically at the time period for the fall of the Jedi and the Clone Wars. This is pre-prequel territory. So do you guys think that this is going to be a compelling part of Star Wars history to make movies about? It has the virtue of never having been tried. 
um, this is relatively unexplored. I think there's a little bit of like comic book references to this era, but even in terms of legends, there wasn't a lot of High Republic. There's a lot of Old Republic and certainly just reams and reams of Skywalker Saga timetable. But this is a uh, this is a different slice of history. Unfortunately, a slice of history does not make something compelling. Um, what will make it compelling to me is if they can create a good story, one that's cohesive, one that has good character growth and character change and relationship. Um, and maybe maybe one thing I would prefer to see is some toning down of the epicness. Like not every movie, a planet has to blow up. It can be something a little more... Or five planets. Or five planets. Or, I mean, there doesn't always have to be a planet killer or a sun killer or a multiple planet killer. Sure, good versus evil, light versus dark is a great story to tell, but it doesn't have to always be so macro. You can tell it on a micro stage and have it be as meaningful, if not more so. I think that's actually been the brilliance of some of Star Wars' most popular um, installments. I think that's we've talked about a dozen times that's the charm of the mandalorian is that it's not epic every single time although it's a it's a tv show um i think the clone wars is similar honestly when when i first heard about the clone wars i thought "Ooh, how boring is this going to be a uh, a show that's about clones fighting a war that to me that is not there's there's very few subjects more mundane or boring than that to me however as you intimated, Jace, the, it, it is the nature of how the story is told that makes it compelling or not. I do think the time period is, uh, you know, again, it's, it's one of those that hasn't been really done before. So there's a lot of potential there. I'm also really intrigued. Uh, I, I know we've talked a little bit about baby Yoda and the potential for a young Yoda. This has that um, potential, a younger Yoda in this High Republic time period. And I think that... Um, that could be really cool. I'm eager to see some of young Yoda's um, shenanigans. A couple years back, someone posted up kind of art, Star Wars fan art of a young Yoda and Yoda as a Jedi Knight. And it was just that piece of art I found compelling. And it, it certainly would be fun to see some, some of our tried and true characters exist like Yoda, younger form, but there's a big part of me that hopes that they leave all that behind and i wouldn't mind seeing them but i really do hope that they i really do hope that they add characters that that have a little some gravitas to them and oh for sure for sure i i don't see how they couldn't do that of course they're not going to make it around yoda or it would have been the yoda chronicles or whatever you know whatever they wanted to call it I, i i think there will be some other characters i imagine there will even be another main character that isn't yoda but to have an exploration of young yoda would would still be interesting according to some of the recent kylo ren comics and the count dooku audiobook the search for the planet exegol and the sith relics began around the time rumored to be focused on in these films do you think we may see some jedi of the era fall to the dark side and if not what kind of antagonists will we see the republic facing I feel like I'm woefully unqualified sitting here with Jace um, talking about this subject, but um, watching Jedi fall to the dark side is, it's a pretty fundamental threat for all Jedi. And I do think, um, I do think this, uh, uh, this particular storytelling um, method, this, it's a show, right? They're talking about? Oh, okay. So 
It's not oh, necessarily no, it's a movie, just it's a, a show. It's it's a series of movies, not just a trilogy. In fact, the way I saw it read was that it's a connected multi-platform story. Yeah, they want to redo years. Marvel. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they're trying to have their own little Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars Cinematic Universe. But what I also read was that the first story is actually going to be told through a video game, which if somebody would have told me that six months ago, I've been like, what? Not interested. But having seen what happened with Fallen Order, uh, I really might not mind that one bit is if we have uh, the kickoff of this, uh, uh, something that I can play through and, and have a great story. Uh, it, not if it's Fallen Order. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that game, and I know you didn't. That's fair. Exegol uh... <laughs> um, very well could be a part of it. There is some talk about this being about exploring the unknown regions. Exegol was in the unknown regions, so it, there's already a little bit of like read around, read through the the lines, connective tissue there. Um, and since that story, you know, kind of says there that it's going to be about Jedi exploring, Jedi expanding into the universe, it very well could spread into some of that Sith lore. Um, but along with unknown regions, I also read a quote that said three different types of enemies, darkest being ancient evils, Sith gods of some sort. Which sounds pretty huge and epic to me, and I'm not sure I'm with huge and epic. But that could be what some of what we're looking at in terms of antagonists. If you've got huge Sith superpowers, um, something akin. So if you're, if we're likening it to Marvel Universe, if we've got a Thanos thing happening throughout, and then a bunch of different Jedi from a bunch of different stories are kind of working to center, and then we end up with an Avengers Endgame type Star Wars payoff, that'd be pretty cool. I would not be arced one bit at that some of the stuff i've read to intimated that um i've used that word a few times implied indicated whatever that um they're going to be approaching jedi characters as if they are superheroes like they have a particular force power that they're really good at and that they'll combine those force powers in whatever epic conclusion there is in order to defeat enemy i'm not sure that i'm a big fan of that um that doesn't seem to be um that doesn't that doesn't smell star wars to me that smells superhero to me and it smells um a little bit of a difference in um, the Star Wars mythos in order to try and be more like Marvel. The whole episodic um, sequence of movies I like. The idea of interconnected stories, I actually love that. That was probably my favorite part of Marvel. I think they may be moving a little bit too much in the Marvel superhero direction to try and turn Jedi into these superheroes, and I don't, I don't dig that element either. <laughs> I don't mind it. In fact, it's somewhat exciting to me. It depends on how they execute it. If that super rare power becomes the focus of every movie and every movie has a single little ability that is central, that gets a little tired and old and I don't want to do that. But there really is a lot of lore set up in Star Wars for certain abilities being tied to individual Jedi. They have a, a particular affinity for an ability. It, back to Fallen Order, for instance, um, Cal has Force Echo, which is a rare Force ability that allows you to kind of see into the past of items that might have some Force energy, or, or you know, tied to them. I don't really have a problem with that. I think that that would be kind of a cool way, as long as they don't make it so. You can do it in a way that it doesn't feel like it's so in your face. In your face. Yeah, it it could be done well. Cal also had the power of terrible gameplay, so that will be interesting to see. Play it was out a, it was a great game. Jedi. It was fantastic. <laughs> Did you, you know, mean psychometry, Jace? 
psychometry is the word that we use um, in our guild, yes. However, in lore, it is called Force Echo because there's no psychometry yet. Oh, snap. I've actually, well, I've seen it used in at least one Legends book, but I don't know in new canon it might be Force Echo. I don't know. I thought it was weird when I touched a guitar and started to play it as Cal when he had so you no have, history you playing have psychometry. guitar. You didn't even know you had it. Yeah, no, it was it was the craziest thing. Ask how. I will say specialization of Jedi Force is nothing new. The 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 split into specializations, having Force healers, for instance. Actually, the three main branches: Sentinel, Consular, Guardian Jedi. That is something that's kind of pervasive through Jedi lore, and and in each of those kind of splits, there's you know, are you a Force Master? Are you a Saber Master? I mean, let's face it. At, at root, Jedi are superpowered space people. Yeah, but even the superpowered space people, like they they train in a bunch of different things, and there isn't just. I, I think the the difference there is that yes, you you certainly have specializations among Jedi people who are um, more more focused or more able in certain capacities than others, but they're not to the degree of like Marvel superheroes. They're not, um, you know, somebody who can do one thing really really well to a you know demigod like level and then can't do anything else the the jedi train themselves in order so that they can handle themselves in a multitude of different situations and they also train themselves in areas that they're not the best at because it's part of the force um so i don't know it, it, in in my opinion the, the difference between the way i see the jedi and the way I see the Marvel superheroes is the Jedi are an academy of folks who teach young adepts how to um, how to harness their power. And then they, those that excel at a particular thing, um, you know, that, that obviously becomes a focus for them. But they are still taught those other things. Superheroes are a completely different genre. They are born or created or whatever, whatever happenstance where they acquire their powers. And they're largely self-taught. And they, um, they, they bring that specialization to bear in whatever conflict it serves a purpose in. And that's, it, it, I don't know, it's a different kind of puzzle to, to make um, a complete picture. It just doesn't feel right to me. Other rumors have circulated that rather than the High Republic, a series of films or shows may soon exist that cover and canonize parts of the Old Republic which is the timeline more associated with the Knights of the Old Republic games and Star Wars The Old Republic Online MMO. Are there parts of that era you wish to see canonized? And are there any parts that you hope that they avoid? I would love to see something about the origins of the Jedi. Give us some proto-sabers, some force wars, uh, maybe show or the original Force users even coming to understand the difference between Ashla and Bogan. That, to me, kind of Force users codifying Force use and, and their philosophies would be a really fun time to see uh, the Star Wars universe, just almost like prehistory of, of, of all this stuff. Um, I would not want to see anything about Revan. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion but i'm tired of revan revan was a great story in kotor but um frankly the swotor played revan out and i don't want let's let's just leave it alone now that's a piece of star wars that just needs to rest and we can move on from from darth revan 
I'm I'm also very intrigued about Origins of Jedi. <clears throat> I'm also very intrigued about um, Origins of Sith. I don't know if this time period would be appropriate for the Origins of Sith, the Sith, but that to me is I don't know. I've always had a problem with um, evil in uh, uh, any any kind of fantasy or sci-fi. Um, uh, uh, mode of entertainment, video games, movies, TV shows, whatever. Um, the challenge I find is it seems so irrational and illogical for there to be these uh, self-defeating systems. And this Sith is actually one that doesn't seem to be. The Sith is one that seems to be about proving your strength um, and only the strong will actually um, prevail. Uh, there are some flaws, of course, in the system. The rule of tools, too, seems... Um, remarkably limiting where they wouldn't want to be limiting um, but I would still like to see a rational reason for embracing the dark side while the Jedi are so crazy against it I'd, I'd like to see how that happens how do a group of people say you know what <laughs> the dark side if they even called it that at the time that seems pretty cool <laughs> let's Let's embrace that. Let's try well, that out. I don't know that it's about embracing it. It's a seductive side. It's the side that's the, the quick and easy and powerful road. So I don't know that they're, and I, I'm certainly not saying that, I mean, I don't know exactly how history occurred in this false universe we're talking about. But to me, it seems like when you've got a force that is as seductive as the dark side, it is, it is just naturally going to draw people based on their impulse. And you would have to learn then through a philosophy perhaps a jedi philosophy how to resist the pull of that destructive force um that destructive uh, energy so it sounds like the two stories would would have to be intertwined in some way the, yeah the and it'd be super interesting I, mean, I would love to see those early early force users force sensitives you know getting getting dirty with the force and yeah. having to understand what it means well i mean we we got to see baby yoda use both sides they shown off it, and and that to me was really compelling too because you got to see this the the seeds planted for a potential character to have conflict with that. Do I force choke this bit, uh, person? Close. <laughs> Sorry. Woo. Do I force or lightning choke? Or barbecue them? Or do I do I hand wave their their thoughts and memories like? What's more ethical? I, you know, I, I can think one's more ethical, but um, yeah, no, that's an interesting, it's an interesting exploration. Yeah, in Legends lore, the first Sith actually were Jedi, who then fell to the dark side and created their own order. That's what I'm talking about. I want that. Yeah, that w I actually think that would be a very fun story to know, uh, and not just know it, but to actually see the characters work through it. Yeah, yeah totally. Oh, regardless of rumors, leaking theories, so even if no one's anything about it yet, you guys really want to see in the next series of films, should they actually cover the pre-Clone Wars era of Star Wars? I do still want to see, um, I know, I know Jace poo-pooed it, um, but I would still really like to see some of the young life of Yoda. Whether or not he's the main character, I would like to see, um, I think some of it's going to be explored in The Mandalorian about uh, Yoda's species. I'd like to see some of that. And I'd like to see some of young Yoda uh, coming up through the ranks of the Jedi Order. And even potentially, I would love to see a Yoda who is 
tempted by the dark side. Mm. That would be juicy, juicy meat. So I kind of already said, like the origins of the Jedi and the Force Wars and like the Proto Sabers. I want to see all of that happen. That'd be my my dream series or my dream multi-platform story. <laughs> but I will tell you what I don't want to see. This is how I'll answer it. I want them. To that wasn't get, the question. I want them to get the hell away from the Skywalker timeline altogether. Leave it alone. We have tons and tons of stuff here in every medium imaginable. That's fine and dandy, but I, I truly want to stop with the, all of those characters and all of that lore and get us to another period of history, whether we go far forward or far backwards. I really don't want to see anything pre-Clone Wars through the Resistance, Age of the Resistance. T, let me apologize on behalf of my homie Jace for not answering your question. Um... I answered it. You can answer by saying not this. That means a lot of other things are yes. But okay, but but what about a Padme move? Oh, geez. have you seen that woman run? <laughs> Especially in that headgear. Man, when she runs on the sand in Attack of the Clones, it's one of my most painful moments of any movie ever. She's trying so hard. She swings those arms up as high as she can, and her legs are digging down into that dirt, but she barely moves. It's like a nightmare. Have you, have you tried to run on sand? <laughs> I'm sure it's difficult, but they shouldn't have put it on film. Yeah, I don't know. I've run on sand. <laughs> that that, well, shot, that scene was really doing bad. Natalie Portman dirty, apparently, by showing her running. <laughs> um, <laughs> they fouled out. So we do have to go back for one second, and and I have to eat crow and say, e. I, while we were talking here, I did do a quick Google, and absolutely, psychometry was used in the period of time uh, pre-Calcastus, so it is a term that was used uh, openly, aside from Force Echo, you win. Oh, well, thank you. Although Force Echo is admittedly probably a cooler name for it, in my opinion, so like... I do like Force Echo more, but I don't know anything, so I'm going to be quiet. Well, regardless... No official information has released yet about the next series of Star Wars films, but we will be keeping our ears to the ground, or the sky, stars, rather, I don't know, for anything coming from Lucasfilms and Disney on the subject. In the meantime, The Mandalorian is slated to come out with a second season as early as August of this year, and Kenobi is rumored to release in early 2021. Alright, so moving out of my favorite topic and more into you guys' warehouse. Yes! Uh, rumors have been circulating that The Elder Scrolls Online is moving into Skyrim. After recently expanding into the Black Marsh and elsewhere, and introducing dragons into the story, Bethesda and Zenimax appear to be going all out on expanding lore elements players are already familiar with. ESO is scheduled to have an announcement today, actually, for those listening on release day, but for us it hasn't quite happened yet. Uh, we're going to operate on the assumption that these rumors have some truth to them, and speculate a bit. So, the last time we were taken to a place we've been to in the primary game series was the Gold Coast, which brought us the Thieves' Guild, the Dark Brotherhood, and a good bit of Divine's lore. Do you think we'll see more guilds and information we've experienced, we're experienced with from Elder Scrolls V in this expansion? So the rumors are that um, this particular expansion is going to take us to Skyrim, which 
I don't know. To me, it's kind of eh, it's kind of blasé. Like, um, we've done it. We had a whole game, Elder Scrolls V, for instance. It was all about Skyrim. Now, granted, it's a different time period. There are different factions at play. It's a very different atmosphere than it was in the game Skyrim. But I don't know. We've experienced a lot of Skyrim's culture already in ESO. I have really, really liked the expansions that have taken us into areas that we had previously not had any kind of content for. For instance, Merkmire, completely unexplored territory uh, in any Elder Scrolls game. And then this last one, which has been uh, probably my favorite um, to, to see elsewhere. We've never seen elsewhere. It's always been the home of the Khajiit that you know we, we kind of knew as the cat people of Elder Scrolls. But to actually see the the Khajiit homeland of elsewhere has been fantastic. I don't know. I I, I don't know if I want to see more of Skyrim. I want to see somewhere else. I loved Skyrim. It was probably one of my favorite video games ever. <laughs> so it was I'm, a good game, yeah. I'm real excited to go back to Skyrim. My favorite expansion to date has been the Gold Coast expansion with the Thieves Guild Dark Brother headlines and of course the Vine It's not Skyrim, but I'm saying it's a somewhere we done been. We've been to the Gold Coast at some point. These are towns that were actually in Oblivion, for instance. So <clears throat> I like that that return to your roots type feel. And I, I like the what I really liked about those expansions in particular were the Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood ability lines. I like when they give us an ability line to go with a DLC or an expansion or whatever we're going to call it. We don't fully know what this is going to be at this point. Um, in relation to already, I really liked the Sigic line we got with Somerset. That oh, yeah. was a very pretty power set. I really hope we get a power set with, with this stuff. If not a new class, or hear me out, a new playable race with a skill line attached, perhaps? Giants? Anyone? How cool would it be to have a player character giant? Um, or the Reachmen with some hedge magic skill lines. Um, I think the Witchmen of the Reach have some lore to them that we don't fully know. They, they've made appearances in, I think, some of the East March stuff if i'm not mistaken but you can flesh that out a whole lot kind of like they've been fleshing out the the kitty cats with elsewhere i mean there there are a few other races to explore um, maurimer is probably one of the more popular now um that we haven't really seen they're the sea elves that um people might be familiar with particularly and they have like they weather magic right yeah they're very good at, at weather magic they're they're phenomenal at it um yeah that'd be a fun skill line it it would be um I, i'm not i'm i'm not so big on like new races new new skill lines although i have really enjoyed the the addition of the necromancer class with the elsewhere um dlc um i don't know i i i'd very much like to see something new i could name five different places i'd really like to see more of um that don't include skyrim because we've explored it do you think that some of that reluctance or general wish to go somewhere else comes from the fact that elder scrolls 5 has been re-released so many times could be a big part of it yeah. <laughs> i mean don't we have like uh, Skyrim on every platform imaginable, including like your flip phone. Yeah, dude. There, and there's even a um, a Skywind, which is like Morrowind on Skyrim's new platform. And I've heard there's even a VR version of Skyrim. I haven't played it. I'm I'm not gonna pay for it. But I mean, I played 
I played Skyrim to death. I'm I'm done with it. I mean, I. But aren't there like elements of Skyrim that you wouldn't mind seeing in our world that we'll get to play with with our characters? I liked Skyrim a lot. Um, let's say College of Winterhold. I don't know if it's around in our timeline, but I'd love to see it if it is. I, I spent a whole lot of time at the college because in my Skyrim, my first play, Skyrim playthrough, I once I became the Archmage, I made that Archmage my headquarters and I, I lived there. So. I would love to see that in ESO and, and mess around in there, make our own guild storylines around it. No, I'm I'm with you. I th I think seeing some of that stuff as it's reflected in the current timeline is cool. I I don't disagree with that. The thing that I um, the thing I dislike is really revisiting areas that we've we've already seen. The thing about Elder Scrolls is it's huge. There really is. There's a there's an entire world that has the potential to be explored, and we're limited to one continent, and we're not even fully explored on that one singular continent. That's why we're talking about Skyrim on this one continent of Tamriel. We have other places. The thing I would like to see, the place I would like to go, and sorry T, if this is if this is a question that I'm I'm jumping ahead of. But the thing I would like to see is for us to move into Akavir. I would I would really like to see content from Akavir where Akavir is presented as a foil because it has been for so many different Elder Scrolls stories. It was initially the catalyst that brought Remen to the Ruby Throne where he became the Dragonborn, the Emperor, etc. And then that, that kicked off a whole series of uh, of, of different stories and, and plot. And then Akavir invaded again and created the catalyst for what is the Elder Scrolls online timeline in the Interregnum. Um, Akavir is such a significant piece of even Tamriel's history, even though it's a different continent. I would really love to see more content there. And the thing is, once you unveil this new continent, you can do it piecemeal. You can do it um, you know, region by region, much like they're doing with Tamriel, but you can do it in, in a way that makes the story so compelling. I really, really want to see Akavir. I don't want to see stuff we've done before. Well, I, I'm excited to someday see Akavir. I'm not going to say that I'm against that, but what I sort of am against is the first time we see it being Elder Scrolls Online. I would much prefer a single player game to give us that continent and that story and experience because I think that it's richer and has the potential to give us better lore and a better gameplay for, for that matter. I know that you know the one of our guilds, the the Shadow Syndicate, has some deep Akaviri lore in their origin story, so it'd be probably really good for them. But I think that apologies the shrouded syndicate i i would prefer to see it happen in a single player game we don't know where elder scrolls 6 is going to happen there's a lot of assuming and guessing and and theory crafting going on about it and akavir really hasn't come up as one of the places but i would prefer to do it in sky in elder scrolls 6 to be perfectly honest not because i don't want to see it because i do and that's the reason i'd rather do it in a game where they can really flesh it out As role players in Elder Scrolls Online, what are you guys most looking forward to or most hoping to see happen next in the game? 
So not just going to Akavir or potentially another continent, but even just little things. This isn't a little thing, but I would love it to happen. I would love it if they made a non-PVP Cyrodiil that we could RP in. Um, a lot of role players don't like the idea of RPing in a place where they have the potential to get ganked. And it is a live PVP zone. It is open combat all the time, but it's also beautiful and it has a great of location, great list of locations that would be fun to role play in. I don't know that it will ever happen. Probably not. But my role play wish would be that we could go there. And it's a huge map too. I mean, ginormous. It'd be really, really fun to do some storylines in those places and and get to do some exploring that is i guess lower risk for for people who don't like that sort of experience i could not agree with that more that that was uh actually one of the things that i would have really liked to have seen um i think those of us and, and jace actually started elder scrolls online with me uh, or at the same time I did right right around its launch I I baited it did you did you beta I did I, I beta okay. tested some I think it was I was in one of the final betas um, and and Jason and I were actually in the same guild when ESO launched and then and um, there there were a lot of changes that ESO has made over the years that have been I think kind of role play friendly I don't think they were role play intentional but they were uh, they made our lives easier as role players for instance you used to not be able to even group with people who were in a different faction than you and uh, the factions are the the three different alliances that are all PVPing in Cyrodiil um, they changed that and so now you can RP be in the same guilds be in the same instances of zones with people from different factions and that was probably the biggest thing that I wanted to see happen to ESO and it happened the the devs at ESO have been uh, I think some of the best I've ever seen in an MMO with regards to creating a game that is player base friendly um, granted the RPers are a minority of the larger player base but there are still people who uh, are even PVE centric who just want to run uh, dungeons and they have friends who are in other factions and they can now run those dungeons with people from other factions. That kind of stuff is awesome. Uh, and my next step was what Jace just said. I'd love to see a version of Cyrodiil and even a version of the Imperial City. So the Imperial City, for those who haven't been there, is uh, uh, it's Cyrodiil squared. It's it's a PVP zone, but it's it's small scale, where um, Cyrodiil is for large parties, for like uh, raiding citadels and towers and things. The Imperial City is down in the sewers, and then a little bit into the city itself, and it's very small party focused, um, but it's very visceral 1v1 kind of PVP. I would love to see that scene uh, transferred into a PVE scene where you could go with people who are not of your faction and potentially do some content with some friends for you know whatever the rewards are in that area as well as RP in those areas with with folks obviously our focus is RP uh, Cyrodiil has amazing vistas the Imperial City does too granted it's in the sewer but it also has a lot of areas that are actually the Imperial City before it was sacked by Molag Ball and his forces. 
uh, or directly after it was sacked, sorry. Um, but still some really cool areas that I'd like to RP in. I'd like to see that open up. This is definitely Leo's wheelhouse. He's the <clears throat> ESO lore guy. In fact, that's his role in our guild. Is We call it the Arch Warden. He's the Lord of Lore. <laughs> so, you know, he, he knows best than me. I just want to have fun, man. I just want to do fun stuff. Hint, hint, MMO creators, RP instances are very fun. RP instances are very fun. It's not even that I'm against PvP. I enjoy PvP. But when I'm RPing, I don't want to have to mess with it. Yeah, the truth is they're fun for even non-RPers. They like to sometimes just drop into those zones. And it doesn't hurt anything to recreate them. And really it doesn't. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the developers would give us something like this. The the one Tamriel release um, update was so massive and so player-centric. I think that this is something that they just outright would never do. I think that it's totally something that they would be okay with. And I think that what made them want to do one Tamriel was that in any in any Elder Scrolls game, you can pretty much head off in any direction and start doing stuff for the most part. That sense of wide open world is what motivated that. And I think that, you know, it, it was a great call to let people play ESO the way they usually play Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I kind of have totally. a vision for <laughs> this is what I think they should do. Go with me here. I feel like the first time we zone into Skyrim, <laughs> everything goes black and it okay. slowly fades. No! <laughs> it's Skyrim. <laughs> You're awake. Hey, horse thief. <laughs> Hear me out. You guys can use that idea, Zenimax. I gave you permission. You have to go through a second character creator. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully Bethesda's announcements are full of interesting updates to the game that will benefit raiders and role players alike. If you're interested in roleplay in the Elder Scrolls, whether it be as a Daedra follower, a Divine Worshipper, or in a Cthulhu spy, head on over to SoakingGaming.com and check out our ESO guilds, Invictus Imperium, Divine Conclave, and the Shrouded Syndicate. This week for Tea Time, we have another question from Sarah Lewis. Sarah asks, Who would win in a fight? Count Dooku Star Wars or Menemarco from Elder Scrolls? Oh man. Count Dooku! Of course you go to Star Wars. It's not just about Star Wars versus Elder Scrolls here. We're talking about Count freaking Dooku. I mean, what sounds better, okay. Leo? The, the Count or what is it, King of Worms? The King of Worms. Oh, okay, so Count Dooku can uh, force lightning Manamarco, who can deflect it with a sigh and then drop lightning from above and summon a bunch of zombies to fight him and heal himself and, like, do ridiculous things. Like, the here's where I think these kinds of distinctions fall apart. The lore of what is acceptable in Star Wars or what's like lore compliant in Star Wars is different from what's lore compliant in a genre like the Elder Scrolls. And Manamarco has proven himself he's the king of worms. He is, he has survived and bested Daedric princes. Like the, the dude is redonkulous. 
Count Dooku fooled a couple of Jedi. Like, the difference between the two is... I don't know, it's silly. Here's what I remember. Beating the hell out of Manamarco with Cademan Quintilius. <laughs> so, Count Dooku was trained by none other than Yoda and none other, none other than Sheev Palpatine, two of the most powerful beings ever to walk the galaxy. He was a I master mean, with their force powers, of Makashi yeah, sure. form, form 2, which is a lightsaber form that can kick your A. He bested Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker at youth. This is a not uh this is a formidable foe. And not okay. only that, he's also very he's he's shrewd. He, he was a politician. He pulled together the separatists. So, you know, he he's got a lot more to his name than just being a Jedi, a fallen Jedi who teased a couple other Jedi's. For sure. If I if I'm dumb enough to get close enough to get in a sword fight, with this man, yeah, I probably deserve to be lightsabered to death. But if I can summon an undead army to fight him instead, I might go with that option, which might be Manamarco's. And you only bested Manamarco as Cademan Quintilius because a Daedric prince helped you. That is the only reason. No, that, that was he against Molok Bal that I went Uber. I wasn't even Uber yet when I fought Man and Marco. <laughs> right, but Molok Bal is the one who who punched him, remember? That scene where he drove that Daedric punch down on top of Man and Marco? That was Molok Bal. Wasn't even that hard of a fight. Look, okay, <laughs> you didn't do it. You had help. Is there ever a Star Wars game where we actually fought Dooku? Like, besides, like, the one Wii game where you Sparred a bunch of people. We saw Yoda like Ball of Fury fight him. That was impressive. Yoda trained him. Yeah, that was my favorite. One of my favorite. Actually, probably my favorite scene from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it was Yoda, pretty amazing. Yoda going ham. Well, evidently you didn't like the scene involving Natalie Portman running on stage. Ugh, please. <laughs> Someone give her some better shoes. She needs a lightsaber and to flip around a bit, and then it'll be fine. We're not going to come to an answer. It's just not going to happen. So I'm very sorry, Sarah. Uh, if you have your own opinions on this, or if you'd like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to SoakinGaming.com slash SoakinMedia and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Soakin Podcast. There's only three more episodes left this season, and ugh. But for more Soakin Media, you can visit us at SoakinGaming.com slash SoakinMedia, follow our Twitter at SoakinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Soakin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I've been Jace. And I feel like I take this more seriously than Ricky Gervais takes the Golden Globes. I've been Leo. We'll see you next week. Stay classy, Soakin. Thank you for listening to the Soakin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Soakin Gaming, as well as our website, www.soakingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace? <laughs> <laughs>